beloved. Don't you kind of brace yourself when someone tilts their head and says, Now, sweetie. Don't you feel a little bit like something's going to happen when someone kind of puts their hand on your shoulder and say, Now, now honey. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you its purpose, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. I just want to pause and say, there's a purpose to the process. Mm-mm. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, be happy about that. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but in your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Are there any murderers in here? Don't suffer as a murderer. Don't be that. A thief? Any thieves? Any evildoers? No. How about a busybody? Uh Uh-oh. It was going so well. Because Paul said a murderer is in the same context as a busybody. Mm -hmm. I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, but you've been talking about him. I think a three-inch tongue can slay a six-foot man every day of the week. All right, we're still standing. I'll get to it. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as a faithful creator. I need to speak a little bit. Some strange thing. Some strange. In Jesus' name I pray. Let your glory, your anointing, and your voice rest upon all of us who hear the word. We receive it with readiness of mind. We exalt you and extol you. Somebody speak his name right now over your life. I speak Jesus over my life. I speak his name. Someone pray the blood of Jesus over their mind and heart right now. I want you to say it out of your mouth. Lord, let me clear out every other thought but, but what I'm about to receive and hear. Let me, let me remove every other thought in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I thank you for standing. You may be seated.
the enduring conflict so prevalent in our day. It's easy to see. I submit it as a loose association, not binding, not glued together. And that the modern Christian may very well be long on conjecture of God and short on adherence to God. Jesus told us to preach and teach and to pronounce. Maybe we would con- conclude things about God that are not true, and it would cloud our vision, distort. Our lives. Perhaps people would say, or maybe we would all say, that if we could look into the future, we would take a different path now. Or if we would know the future, we would divert our attention to something else. God said, to Jeremiah that his people were to execute God's judgment and righteousness in all the earth. So those who have this loose affiliation cannot see the movement of God. They cannot execute his judgment. They don't live in righteousness necessarily. And so because people have a loose association, they doubt his love and his purpose, and they speak in temporal terms because they see with carnal eyes. And they're driven by what they see. And most of all by what they feel. And I know that we can ill afford to veer into the world of human understanding. Please know everyone, we are not of this world. You are not of this world. As the apostle said, little children, ye are of God. You're living on a different track. The world sees the past and it makes the present painful and the future doubtful. But God looks through the blood and it changes our entire story, even our past. He is God all by himself. He can look any way he wants to and he chooses to look through a lens that doesn't just cover the past, but it heals the past. And God has no equal, no rival. He has no contemporary. Who is man that thou art mindful of him? I need to help you with some strange things. But first we have to know God and know that God doesn't need to look into the future like we would like to look because he is the I am. He is present He is the ever-present. He was, he is, and he is to come. He is there when we arrive. Oh, now. Now I'm certain, somewhat certain, maybe it's not true. I don't know, maybe my next line is not grammatically correct, but he is the already God. (laughs) 
I'm looking through the lens of limitation. I'm measuring myself and him and my situation through the sight of my human thought. What I think is strange, unfavorable, untimely, detrimental, even hurtful, might in fact be part of the saving plan of the one who measures the beginning from the ending, who spans the length both of the Alpha and the Omega. And my lettering system, he's the A and the Z. He is before and he is after. What is strange to me, perhaps, is divinely appropriate to him. Mm -hmm. I need to pause here and just implore you. Recapture your mind. Pull your thoughts away from the definitions of this world. Bring into focus the word of God and the blood and the name. You cannot understand the things of God if you're always thinking about the things of the world. You'll never understand the Bible until you walk after the Spirit. Because the Scripture demands that and the Spirit demands that. God knew it before it was known to us. God knew the thing before the thing came about. And God was working to provide the solution before we knew there was a problem. You can see it in the scripture. Abraham lived and he died. And Isaac and Rebekah have lived and they're gone. Jacob is an aging man. And the number of his family members are about 70 people. Promises have been given. Covenants have been made. Wells of water have been dug. They've been buried again. They've been redug, named and renamed. There has been angelic visitations and triumphs and a plethora of powerful events already seen. They have been witness to God's blessings and his wonders, but what they don't see coming is a worldwide famine. The famine that's coming will cripple every land and all the people. It will devour the plenty. It will consume the green and replace it with dust. God knew it because he is the already God. He knew it. And God was setting up a savior with a small s. He was in process. Jacob and his remaining sons held the covenant, but they did not know the future. And Joseph was the one who would rise to order the nation of Egypt. He would become the Old Testament likeness of the New Testament Messiah. Joseph, so I say. It might have looked strange, but God was not shocked when Joseph was sold off into slavery. God ordained it. God did not sit idly by and watch Joseph wade through the years of abandonment without purpose. God ordered it. We have a false expectation that life, though it's fleeting, should be pleasant. The current Christian culture promotes earth with heaven when they could not be farther from each other. This life is a setup for the next one. Paul was addressing believers, I read this to you, but they were distraught. Rome was oppressing. Worldliness of all kinds were making demands because the world does not ever rest with live and let be. The world will never rest on you have your opinion and I have my opinion. They'll never stop there. The world demands that you share their opinion. So all of you that bought into the thing, we're just going to live and let live. That's a lie. They'll never believe that because they're always encroaching. That's what sin does. It demands your attention. And so the people were distraught. And all this was happening to them. The 
I would even submit that the Pentecostals of the first century had scattered from Jerusalem. They had experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They had been witness to miracles by the hundreds, but a famine had come and it came in the form of an oppressive secular culture that aggressively attacked the name of Jesus and the gospel and anyone who espoused to it. Paul was dealing with a church that believed that the Holy Ghost would keep them. Maybe they thought that it would absolve them from trouble. Maybe they thought that Jesus would remove them from the the struggle. Or perhaps that they believed that being born again of the water and the Spirit, as the Lord commanded, would take them from the constraints of the early confinements. But Paul stood up to say, don't think it's strange concerning the trial, the fiery trial, as though some strange thing happened to you. They were bewildered. They were perplexed. It happened to them and it happens to us. And this idea that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people has never been so grossly mismanaged by Christian leaders than it is right now. That's a lie. Go look at the faithful words of Job. Even the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. And you can take that two ways. That means rain is good for the crops. Or raining on you, meaning trouble. It good, it rains on the, the just and the unjust. Everybody has the equal rain. Job said, who lost all that he owned. He lost his children, his sons, his daughters in a single day. And when his wife saw him in his pitiful state, Job is sitting in the dirt. Sores have covered his body. He's scraping them with a piece of broken pottery. Covering the wound with fine particles of gray ash. And his wife looks on him with disgust. And she says, and I quote, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Job lost his family, his sons and daughters, his land, his possessions. But he did not lose himself. And he looked up from his lowest point of life and he said, You're talking foolish. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I knew that wasn't going to get an amen. I even knew when I put that down on my paper here. Crowd goes silent. How about the trying of your faith? How about the battle for your passion and your heart and your time and your thoughts? How about sickness and disease? How about loss without recovery? How about damage without true healing? How about scars that never go away? Do you think that the enemy was going to lie down and let you coast into heaven? He's against you. He's against everything that you ever do. And besides this evil that comes in his life. Then God has a divine plan to save you and those around you. But we don't always think it's a divine plan. Because it feels the same as the oppressive things that happen from the enemy. Come on, let's say it. God is good. No, no, no. Thank you. God is good. All the time. Come on, say it. God is good. And all the time. Really? Or do we mean he's good when we feel good? He's good when we're up. We feel he's good all the time as long as we got money and health and strength and everything is working out for our good. Because if you ask Joseph who's looking up from the pit, looking into the hateful eyes of his brothers. God doesn't look very good right then. 
And when they sold him off to a vicious a vicious band of men that made him a slave and bound him with chains. God doesn't feel very good then. And when he misses his home and he's abandoned and the warm embrace of his father's arms is gone, his younger brother's smile is absent. God seems far away when he is falsely accused and sent to yet another prison, bound yet with more chains. God's plan isn't so inviting. Joseph doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know why he's there. He has no knowledge of the grand purpose. From his viewpoint, there is no famine present and no famine in the future. Everything looks nice. And the battleground is found in the distance. Are you hearing me? The battleground is found in the distance, in between the dream and the fulfillment. Some of you are living right there in that battleground right now. God gave you a dream. He gave you a vision. But you're in the middle ground and it hasn't yet come to pass. And now we're wondering if God's still good. See, one day Joseph's going to receive a robe and a signet ring. One day Joseph will rise to be the most powerful man in the known world, only answering to Pharaoh himself. But no one sees the blessing when they're wallowing in the mud. He has a dream, but he has no ring. He has a belief, but the trouble comes when your reality doesn't match your promise. I'm talking to you now. That's a strange thing. Some strange thing. A thousand believers over stand on the inspired word of God. Especially when James wrote, every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh from the father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own. He begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, every good and perfect gift. He's a good God, especially when he feels good. But I submit that he's a good God because he is God. He's a good God because there's no turning, not even a shadow of it. Yes, he is a God of blessing. I love the blessing. His gifts are wonderful. They are without repentance. He gives without taking back the gifts and callings. Romans says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God's blessings, the gifts are his blessings. But when we cannot see the blessing, God has something greater than the gift. It's called grace. It's called grace. When I cannot see the gift, I find the grace. Here's what Job wrote. For what hope has the godless when he's cut off? When God takes away his life, there's no hope, but not for you. Job said the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. He gave, that's the blessing. He took away, that's when you have to walk in grace. Here's our part. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't get the option to get it. You don't have the option to keep it. All we have left is blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay. It's a strange thing to me. When I'm doing the work of God and I have the accusation against me. It's a strange thing to me. When I'm giving and I'm left with less when someone told me if I give, I would be blessed, but I don't feel the blessing and I can't, I can't hold it in my hand. That's a strange thing. 
It's a strange thing to many people when they give their life to the Lord, but at some juncture they find terrible loss or sickness or disease or abandonment or they find friendlessness in the church and they don't feel as comfortable. That's a strange thing. And we can even be in the church and feel, still feel alone in the church. That's a strange thing. And Paul is going to say, don't think it's strange that some strange thing happened to you as if it was an odd thing. That wasn't an odd thing. That was a divine, appropriate nature of your God who leads you through something because this life is filled with affliction. Affliction is a filter. And that we, through much tribulation, will enter into the kingdom of God. Tribulation Affliction, trouble is a filter. It purifies you. It takes you out. And the problem that I'm dealing with is this loose association with God. And we, we have conjecture that God is a good God. And that we should have good things. I'll tell you what God's doing. He's preparing a good thing. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, now I'm going to go over to this other city. I'm going to prepare something for you. He said, no, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, he wasn't working on a earthly home for you. He was working on a heavenly home. You got to rearrange your thoughts. Our thoughts are temporal and they're minimal and they're a base. And we consider God's love based upon our own present reality. I'm going to tell you right now, God did not love Joseph any less when he was in the pit than when his father gave him a beautiful coat. God did not love Joseph any less when they bound him and dragged him behind a cart all the way past and got all the way to Potiphar's house. God did not, less, God did not love Joseph any less when Potiphar's wife accused him falsely and said, this man... Try to abuse me. God did not love Joseph any less than when Joseph spent two years in a dungeon and a prison. God loved him the same as when he gave him the dreams that people would bow before him and that his star would rise up and his sheath would stand straight. God loved him the same before and after. That was a process of the divine order of God. I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't love you less because you're going through trouble. He might have just sent you through trouble so that you can save someone, your family. He is with you all the way through that because he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave you there. He leads you through. You may not be on the other side, but I'm going to tell you, one day you're going to get a robe and a crown and a signet ring. And even on this earth, you might get through it, but you cannot give up. No, 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 no. no. I feel like I gotta preach a little bit here because I'm dealing, it's not just, it's not just the denominal world, it's the Pentecostal world because we have the Holy Ghost and it's so wonderful to have the Holy Ghost. It's so wonderful to know the name of Jesus. But then when we get it, there's a huge letdown as soon as we have trouble because someone told us that the Holy Ghost would be the Savior and the rapture from all of our troubles. It was not true. It was just a birth. It was a birth. You were a baby. But you've got to go through trouble. Oh, man. Roman fell forward. 
had a big knot on his head. And the first time that happened, I was distraught. Alexandra was running around. She was a little girl. She was running around my mother's couch. Her cousin Elijah was running around the other side. And they ran into each other. And all the Christmas pictures that year, Allie had a big blue, blue big, big black and blue eye, a big shiner. We can measure it. She's smiling and one eye looks normal. The other eye is all this. We know the Christmas because while you're growing up, you run into things. <laughs> and you think you can do everything, and then you believe the world. And the world tells you that credit cards are good. And you spend because you have no concept of paying it back. And you look around other people and you think that you'll gain respect if you do what they do, drive what they drive, live where they live. Because our value system is tied to the temporal. But not in this kingdom. This value is tied to something you can't see or hold in your hand. This kingdom is tied to something that's beyond this world. Hear me, whatever you're going through or have gone through, it is not forever. It is a season, and the season might be the duration of your life, but there's coming another season. i got to stand up and tell somebody, don't think it a strange thing. Don't think it a strange thing that you go through trouble. God did not abandon you. God did not leave you. God did not scorn on you. God did not hate you. He loves you more. You can't even define his love for you. His arms of embrace, what he's trying to do is prepare you for something today that's coming tomorrow. But because you can't see tomorrow, you base your judgment of him based upon what's happening today. What would happen if Joseph lost faith? If he decided that the pursuit wasn't worth the effort? What he doesn't know when he's in the pit and in the prison, what he doesn't know when he's abandoned is that there's coming a day when he's going to have to exercise judgment and execute judgment on the whole earth. Now I know just from intuition where I'm at today. I already know that. But I also know through the, through the Holy Spirit where I'm, what I'm dealing with today. I already know that. Because you pray for things and they don't come to pass. And you struggle. And then your spirit reflects the unanswered prayer. As if God did not hear you. Or God is not working it out for you. I want to stand up and say, God's working it all out for you. You may not be able to see it, but he's working it out for you. You can't look because there's no light in the dungeon, but God's working it all out for you. And in a single day, you can go from the pit to the promise. Wait, wait. In a single moment, you can go from the problem to the solution. You 
don't know when it's going to come. But when it comes, then we have the tendency to rejoice as if it never would have happened or it wasn't going to happen. And before it happens, we reflect that it will not happen. Oh. And so we walk into the presence of God and we think that there's trouble. And because there's issues and trouble in our life, we forget about grace. We think about the gift, but when the gift is not in our hand, we forgot about the grace. Hear me. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God is made perfect when you don't have it together. Hey, I got to tell somebody. He's doing great when you're doing poorly. But when you got it all, he's got no room for glory or for praise or for honor. I wish you could hear it today with your spiritual ears. When you don't know the way out, when you feel bound, when the promise looks false, and when the promise looks failing, God is great and his grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I'll tell you where this comes in. This comes in the life of people who have been serving God for some time. This comes in the life of people who have been serving God for years and decades and probably they, 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 they've given everything to the Lord and then suddenly they're in the throes of conflict and trouble. And they say, you mean after all these years, this is what I'm left with? You mean after all this time of doing good, this is where I'm at? Where are you, God? I want to tell you, he's in the same place he was when he gave you that blessing. He's in the same place he was when he gave you that promise. He's in the same position he was when you were praising him in the good times. He's, he is God all by himself. He doesn't have to answer to me, but I know one day when I'm tried, I'm going to come forth as gold, purified in a furnace of earth. It's a difficult word. This is a difficult word. Let me just say, let the affliction be your filter. Let the affliction filter out all the junk that's in your life. When you feel in despair, you go back and worship God. When, you, when the Lord gives, and then he takes away. Ugh! That's trouble. That's trouble. I can remember that happening. I got something. This is really great. And they said, oh, we made a mistake. We made a mistake. This is yours. Oh, I didn't want that. I wanted the first thing. When it's given and it's taken away, what kind of God is that? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the God preached on TBN. You're going to find that God on the evangelical channels, they don't talk about the God who takes away. They talk about the God who gives. They're talking about seed offerings. You give a seed offering, you're going to get things back. Really? Let them give a seed offering. If the message is true, why do they need my seed? You give. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the message of the Christian world today. The Christian world doesn't talk about a God who takes away. Can you serve a God who takes away? Shall we only get good and not bad? Huh. Oh no. 
See, the answer is you want to say, oh, yes, but you won't. Because when it's taken away, you feel, where did God go? I want to tell you, the gift may not always be with you, but the grace will never (laughs) go away. Yes, you give and you take away. That's all up to you. But here's my response. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I bless the Lord, oh my soul. I bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Listen, I know this, elder. I know this. Not everybody has experienced the second half. Right now, you're walking in the first portion. You've been given. You're blessed. He gave. So if you're not there yet, just hear this word from the pastor today. There may come a time when he takes away what he's given. Now you're going to be face to face with the trial of your faith to answer back to God how you feel about him. And you're going to have to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The strange thing to me is to watch the senior saints and people who have been loving God, serve God, suffer. See, the strange thing to me was growing up hearing the low alto voice bellowing from a piano microphone. The distinctive, unique voice that spanned the world when Sister Urshan would sing. That low, powerful voice of Sister Urshan. Whose own songs spurred a thousand revivals worldwide who gave herself all of her life to the cause of Christ and followed her husband in leading a powerful apostolic revival in the United States and all over the world. But at the end of her life, when her husband had passed and she was close to the end, she has a major car accident that breaks multiple bones in her body and she spends the better portion of her final days and months in traction. I'm trying to compute that. That's a strange thing to me. It's a strange thing to me when the pastor comes to my office a few years ago and he said, I just, I, I just wanted to see and talk to you. And he tells me the story of his daughter and son-in-law who graduated from a Bible college and went to the East Coast and was married for six months working and was so happy to finally get into the ministry. They were so happy. And they're on their way back on Thanksgiving, but they hit a patch of ice and both of them died instantly in the car. That's a strange thing to me. That's a strange thing to me. And Paul said, that's not some strange thing. Because see, you were called to be in the divine will of the Father. And he knows the beginning from the end. 
and he knew the day that you were going to live in today. He's got a plan. It's big. Here, Pastor, it's bigger than your temporal life. It's larger than your days on this planet. He's got a home and a plan for you. He knows what he's doing even if you cannot see him. Even if you don't know what he's doing, he already knows what he's doing. And he's good because he's God. He's not good because I feel like he's good. He's good all the time. Hey, wait a second. He's good when you get cancer. He's good when you lose your job. He's good when you have a car accident. You ain't shouting on that. You ain't, you ain't happy about that, are you? Because you don't you think maybe that was bad. Or because because your house burned, or because you lost something. I want to tell you, God is good all by himself because that is his nature. Even when I can't see his goodness. I don't trust what I can see and I certainly cannot trust what I can feel but I know that God has it all. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. Hey! Hey! If I call for worshipers who have been healed, I wonder who would raise their hand that you've been healed of anything in your life. If I, if I call some, for some people that would praise God, you've been healed, raise your hand if you've been healed. If God's ever healed you, raise your hand. That's a, hey. That's an easy call. A lot of people have made a living on the easy call. They made their living on taking the crutches from somebody. And everybody goes crazy and happy and happy and walking out of wheelchairs and everything. And the dumb talking, that's an easy call. I want to know if you'll praise God when they hand you the crutches. Hey, this is an easy dance. Woo! What happened? Got me a pay raise and a new job. I got a new car. I got something paid off. That's an easy dance. I want to know the dance when you lose it all. And you've been faithful to the Lord. Because <laughs> oh. you know what we thought? That's strange. That's strange. I've been hearing the pastor preach. I've been hearing the word. I read the book of Malachi that he'd open up windows of heaven and pour out blessings. I don't see any blessings in my life. I don't see anything I was given and I have less than when I started. They said that I would have more afterwards. I want to tell you right now that God's word is true. He sets the precedent. He's got alone. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I have no, I have no ties on God. I have no conditions on the Holy Ghost. I have no prerequisites. He's a good God all the time. When you break your back, when you suffer, when you're in struggling, when you're in tribulation, he's good all the time. Hey, I'm not telling you you're not going to cry. And I'm not telling you you're not going to weep. And I'm not telling you that you're going to feel good. But in all this, Job did not lose himself. He didn't lose himself. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his home. He didn't have any good friends. Listen, if you've got friends who tell you you're no good, you don't need friends. <laughs> if your friends keep telling you, well, maybe you did something wrong, we would never think in our mind, maybe I'm going through this trouble because God's proud of me. 
What happened to you? Well, you know, I, I, uh, my house burned. I didn't have insurance. And uh, my kids left me. They don't like me no more. I got boils all over my skin. Nobody wants to be around me. What do you do most of the day? I sit in the dirt. What do you do? I scrape my boils. Why do you think you're going through that? Well, because God, he, he's so proud of me. Really? Yeah, yeah. God, God was meeting with all the angels and Lucifer happened to show up and said, and he showed up and God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There's not another fine man like that in all the world. God said it. Have you considered this, this man? Look at how awesome this man is. And, and, and Satan said, well, just remove your blessings from him and let's see if he's still the same man who loves you. Could it be you go through trouble because God, he's thinking the best of you? Oh, no. No, that's not our culture today. That's not what we think. We don't think that God's lifting us up. We think God's pushing us down. He didn't take the hedge off your life just so you could have trouble. He took the hedge because he needed you to go through the filter. He needed you in that pit. He needed you to be abandoned. He needed you to be in prison. He had to get you through false accusations. You cannot be where God needs you to be until you go through the problem. You can't save your family until you are purified. And the purification comes through the trouble. In fact, I'll say it right now, right here in this house. You can't relate to anybody that has struggle or issues until you go through pain and suffering and loss. And you thought it was a strange thing. And God said, it's my divine will. I won't point out any names today. Just because I don't think it's appropriate. I, although I know that she might say it was okay. But one of our sweet people here had been coming to church for a while. And, and then her father had a terrible stroke. And she moved with her father and her mother took her family and she moved to help her struggling father and the stroke was horrible he was dying little by little dying and while he was dying the stroke had had just just devastated his body and she said to me while that was happening my mother came down with cancer it was in the late stages when we found out cancer she was dying and i'm in a home she's in a home with two aging parents that's dying and she's praying for them. And she's seeking God for them. But they are wasting away and they're dying. They have no hope. No doctors can fix it. And they have no faith. But she's in the house doing her best. For eight months she's in there. And one morning she wakes up and there's gunshots. And her father had a murder-suicide. He killed, his, he killed her mother and himself because he did not want to suffer. I want to just tell you right now. God's good all the time you don't understand what you're going through but when she came back to this house she said this pastor I had to get back to a house of love I didn't know where to go but I had to get back to this house I'm going to tell you right now whatever you're going through God is still good he's still faithful I don't care what it looks like I don't care what you've gone through God's still good to you hear me he's a good God all the time he's a good God all the time 
some some of you are going to cry and weep and, and shake your heads and say I don't understand but if you know the Lord if he is the lover of your soul if he's the keeper of your life I got a word for you today it's not a strange thing that's not a strange thing you didn't know God's will just stand with me now you didn't know God's will you may never know God's will while you're on this earth I'll give you the scripture because we like to decide what his will is. We want to give an answer to people so we can answer the reason or the question why. Because we want to remove the strange thing and use logic, even spiritual terms. But that's not the Bible. Here's the Bible. But now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face now no matter what I think I know it's a cloudy mix it's a failing understanding right now I'm looking through a glass darkly with minimal information as to why the precious saints of God go through the fiery trial. And Paul writes, now sweetie, now honey, don't think it peculiar that you're going through this as if God doesn't know it and it's strange. It's part and parcel of the path to heaven. And when you start thinking in terms of eternity and life and heaven and a home and a place where there is no sickness and death and sorrow and weeping and tears and there is no night and there are no bills or anger there is no division and chaos there are no governments. There, are, there is no oppression. There is no light bulbs because the Lamb is the light. He lights up the city. When you start thinking beyond this way, then you can just lift up your hands and voice and say, Blessed, my praise. This is the day that the Lord hath made. What kind of day? What kind of day? That's up to him. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord's calling for a church that has enough spiritual integrity and trust in the Lord that you cannot distinguish the people that have gone through trouble and the people who have come out of it. I'm preaching on behalf of the people who've had much, much loss and much suffering 
And though you may never get past the loss, don't lose yourself. You're never going to replace the loss. Just don't you lose yourself in the middle of it. You may not even have the strength to do what you'd like to do because you're emotionally drained. But don't lose. Blessed be the name of the Lord. (laughs) Here's what you do. You praise him. When it's good. Come on now, you ought to be praising him when it's good. Some of you folks aren't thanking God when it's good. You better thank him when it's good. When it's good, take advantage of it when it's good. If your knees and your hips are good, you ought to be shouting a little bit. They're not going to be good forever. You ought to be jumping. If you can jump like half an inch, you ought, if you can almost jump but not even leave the ground, just your tiptoes, tip you ought to be doing a little tiptoe thing here. Because it won't be good forever. When it's good, you ought to act like it's good. When everybody's behaving, you ought to be thankful they're behaving. It ain't always going to be that way. I know. Oof. The diapers may have smelled bad, but the attitudes are a lot worse. That's all right. I'm just by myself up here. I'm just doing my own thing here. You don't know. You don't know this. But when it's bad, at least say, I came in naked and I may leave the same. But blessed be the name of the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Ha, 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 ha. Come on out of your mouth. I praise you. I praise you. I give you glory and honor and power and might belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lift up your hands right now, all the people. And bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that trust in the Lord shall not want any good thing. Trust thee in the Lord, and lean not unto your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Ah, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Listen, I may know what you're going through, but I, I wish you would praise him so I would be confused because there's no strange thing happening to you because you know that the Lord loves you and you know that the blood is for you and you know the word is in your favor.